Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, ever want to spend a night with Dick Vitale and hear about his extraordinary career where our next guest did that and what's been the reaction to Tim Tebow's passionate plea not to pay college athletes and is he in a position to relate to some of those players with needs? Our biggest embarrassing moments and we'll also talk about the Rays, the Lightning, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Jones, my former radio partner, of course, columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, who's now with the Pointer Institute on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, folks, if uh, you have a business and you'd like to advertise with us, our sponsors have had some great success, and you will too. Now, here's what you do. For information, give us uh, just a hit on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, where my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. We'll hook you up, tell you how you can be a sponsor to this podcast. All right, my good buddy and former radio partner, former columnist of the Tampa Bay Times. He's got a lot of former to his names. Tom Jones joins us now. <laughs> I don't know, former why, used to be somebody. Yeah. <laughs> why would I introduce you that way? Of the Pointer Institute of Media Studies. You're Mr. Big Shot, actually, because – you're hosting paid events now um, with celebrities at the Pointer Institute. Dickie V, baby, was yeah. uh, was your host. A night, a night. This is the way I heard it. It was a night with Tom Jones and Dick Vitale. <laughs> now, if you were there, you would know it was definitely a night with Dickie V. I I had a I actually had an index like index card questions written out. It was this thing we had at the Palladium Theater in St. Pete. They had like two hundred some people show up for it. Some some real big shots around Tampa Bay. And uh, and our old buddy Ronnie Night Train Lane was there. At one point, really? Dickie v, yeah. He Dickie V like yells out of crowd. He goes, "Hey, we got Night Train Lane. I knew the real Night Train Lane. You ain't him." I was like, <laughs> yeah, "What are you doing, Dick?" Oh man! <laughs> but it was. Um, but I had like I had these index cards for these questions. It was just a night, you know, talking about his career, talking about ESPN, and I probably had like. I don't know, 40 questions out just to cover myself, you know? And yeah, what'd you use, about five? Five, yeah, maybe five. And mm-hmm. he would just, he go, and he would be in the middle of a story, go, oh, that reminds me of another story. And he would go off, but he, he was tremendous. It People came up to me afterwards. He signed books for like an hour after the event was over. Uh, he's so fun to work with, so great to work with. Um, helped raise some money for Pointer. It was really, uh, really a cool night. He was, like I said, I can't. I can't thank him enough for for his. I mean, he completely gen- gave his all of his time. You know, he he. Yeah. We picked him up at three thirty. Car service wow. picked him up at three thirty, and I think he left about ten o'clock that night. So, wow. um, just a just a great night with him. He tells he's a good storyteller, as we know, and uh, it looked like the Cameron Indoor Crazies were there. I mean, that you know, they're all Duke people, right? Is yeah. That, is that one of- <laughs> uh, and and I asked him about that. I said, he goes, everybody calls me Dukey V because I, I think I don't like North Carolina. And he went on to think about how. <laughs> He likes everybody, and he does. He does like everybody, but except for Antonio Brown. He apparently does not like oh. Antonio Brown because he went off on really? Antonio. Oh, yeah. Um, selfish guy, uh, selfish, bad guy. Yeah, he goes, oh, I'm not even talking about these rape allegations. He goes, I don't, I don't know what happened there. He goes, but the rest of you, he's just a bad guy. I don't like him, you know. 
Um, he went off on that. He actually went off on your boy Tebow too. I know we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. Um, he didn't, you know, he didn't, uh, he didn't care for some of Tim Tebow's recent comments about athletes making money, college athletes making money. Um, but it was, it was like, it was great. He told stories about how he, um, they got fired by Bill Davidson, who I'd forgotten that part of it. Remember, he was the, yeah, he was the, the head DQ, coach of the, the Pistons. Detroit Pistons coach. Yeah, and, yeah. And Bill Davidson, who, of course, went on to become the Lightning owner, fired him. And it was the best thing that ever happened to him. No question. He turned him into broadcasting. And he I've said, always said getting fired might be the best thing that ever happens to you. <laughs> I know. I know, right? So there was he was telling a story, too, about how his first game, I think it was he said it was in Chicago uh, for ESPN. And uh, he said, I didn't know. I just thought you showed up for the game. So because it was an 8 o'clock game because I showed up about 7. I walked in the door to people, producers and directors, like, where you been? He goes, what? (laughs) He goes, we had a production meeting. He goes, what's that? (laughs) Know anything about it. Uh, When they tip it off, baby, I know what's going on. Yeah, exactly. And he does. He's one of those guys, when you look back at it, Rick, he really did change broadcasting. I think in a lot of ways he's sort of the – college basketball version of john madden he was somebody had never we'd never really seen a great analogy before you know maybe now today in today's game people want a little more critical um uh analysis you know and dick Mm -hmm. he's not that he's dick's who he is he's going to be very upbeat very optimistic and he's a defender of college basketball um and he loves everybody i get all that but he back when he first started doing it he he uh, and and here's the other thing too he's he's as sharp as ever the guy's 80 years old i know um, plays tennis like two, three times a week, walks every day. He's in great, great shape, and he's sharp as ever. He, he said that's the thing he worries about. He worries about – because I asked him, and this is the thing he's – you know, when we think about some of the older guys like the Brent Musburgers, and, you know, sometimes you worry about, okay, is he, is he eventually going to say something dumb, you know? Embarrassing, stupid. yeah. Cause, yeah, yeah, embarrassing. He's like, that's my biggest fear. He goes – and he says a lot. You know, he's got like – He's on Twitter constantly. He has opinions about everything. He has like eight hundred eighty-eight thousand Twitter followers. Um, he's uh, he, the other day. He's like Facetime and stuff, and he's putting on Periscope. Like this guy's more technically sound than most, you know, people half his age. And he said that was his only fear is 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 slipping a little bit. He goes, and look, I'm gonna I'm human. I I might screw up a name. He goes, but the problem is when I screw up a name, he said I everybody says, oh, it's time to retire. He's seen now. He doesn't he doesn't get he doesn't know the names anymore. Because yeah. where somebody like 40 years old messes up, it's like, oh, they just slipped up. They didn't meet, you know. He said, so I got to be extra careful not to mess up a name or not to mess up, you know, a, a stat or something like that. So, um, but he hasn't so far. He's He seems as sharp as ever. A lot of the older uh, broadcasters, I mean, not necessarily some of them are play-by-play guys, but I mean, whether you're talking about like Vern Lundquist or, you know, you mentioned Brett Musburger. I mean, I, I think some of these guys probably would have continued on at 75, whatever they are. Um, but how come ESPN, I mean, it's not like he has, does he have a lifetime contract with he, them? I mean, I mean he signed another extension, I guess, recently. I think really, he's, and they told him, wow. like, he's told me that they've told him, I right. guess, you know, you can, you can do it as long as you want to do it, you know? Right. And, and I think he's told them, look, I'll never put, I'll never embarrass you guys. I'll, okay. When it's time to step away, I'll step away. But, you know, they're having... They're opening night of the season. Like, they have this kickoff. And I wish I could remember. I remember the four teams. That I, don't, I don't exactly remember the two games. I think it's Michigan State, Kansas, Kentucky, and I want to say Duke, but I'm not sure if Duke's the other team. But anyway, it's it's a doubleheader, like, on November 5th or something to kick off the season, basically. And Dan Schulman, who's their main you – know, one of their main guys, he's calling – he's going to be the play-by-play on both games. But Jay Billis is doing one game. 
and Dickie V's doing the other. You know, so wow. he's still he. I don't, you know, he's not their number one guy anymore because Jay Billis has sort of taken over their number one guy as their number one guy. But he still gets you know two games a week, and they're good games. You know, so they believe. I, I think they think he's going to be there for for a while. I asked him. That was my last question tonight. How much longer you wanted to do it? He said, as long as he feels good, he'll keep doing it. Who was his first play-by-play guy? Does you he, remember yeah, that? Yeah, he told me, and it was a guy that I I didn't that Doesn't I didn't exist. recognize the name. Yeah. He's worked with. I mean, he really. I think I saw a stat one time where it's been like thirty or forty different announcers. He worked with yeah. Shulman for a long time. There was a guy named Dave O'Brien. I think. Sure, he I remember with. Dave O'Brien. Yeah. yeah, he worked with him for a long time, um, and he's. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys that's totally easy. He t- I guess the first time he worked with Dan Schulman, they were they were going over the opening. And he goes, I'll come in, I'll introduce myself, and then we'll go. And, and at that point, Dick said, you could just stop right now, okay? Because as soon as you introduce yourself and you kick it over to me, no one's going to hear from you for about the next two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> he really is passionate, though, about one area, and, and it's not fake. Um, ra- raising awareness and, and money for pediatric, especially pediatric cancer, but, but yeah. any kind of cancer. The V Foundation, of course, he, he works hard for. I mean, that – I don't know if you guys got into that or not. Oh, He's yeah. pretty emotional about it. But, I mean, you know, that that, that truly is – maybe will be his greatest legacy when, he, when it's all it said really and done. It really is. I think he said we, – we had – there were two parts to the evening. There was like a VIP reception ahead of time. And mm-hmm. we, had, we had like a little program there where we went on this little stage on this – it was sort of downstairs at the Palladium. Yeah. It was sort of set up. They had a table set up, and there was a bar and everything. So people were in hors d'oeuvres and stuff. And so people were mingling around. But we did a little presentation there, and most of that was about his pediatric cancer work. And he was telling stories. I think he said $29 million he's raised. Wow. Uh, and, it's, yeah, which is, which is just incredible. And, of course, he, you know, that's not enough, you know. Yeah. Um, so he was – and he, like, he was there selling books for, like, $20 a piece. And, and I think he sold them out. He brought, like, 100 books with him or something like that. And one guy brought up, came up, bought 20 books, and Dick signed every one of them. So he really does – give like all his time. And I actually told a story that was one of my more embarrassing stories. I think you've heard this one, Rick, but ever's, um, you know, you know how you and I, anybody works in newspapers, you hate corrections. Like if you wake up the next day and you find out, Hey, you had a mistake in a paper. We need to run a correction. Like it ruins your day. It truly Mm -hmm. does. And so this was a few years ago and Dick was having his, like his 10th anniversary of his gala. And then he called me up. He goes, Hey Tom, Dickie V, I, I need your help. You have to you write a column. Can you, we're trying to drum up. We're trying to raise 4 million this year, whatever it was. And I said, sure. And he's helped, you know, us. He came on our radio show when we were over at DAE and he used to come on all the time whenever we asked. And he would help. He would write, basically write three columns a year for me when I just call him up and ask him about college basketball and just type down everything he said. And so I said, sure, I'll be glad to help. So I said, do you have any good ideas, though? Because I just do this, you know, the same thing every year. And he said, well, it's the 10th anniversary. He goes, I could put you in touch with the, the family that started this whole thing. And it's really what – it was a neighbor person, a little girl. Her name was Peyton Wright, and she lived like two doors you know, on his street or something. And she ended up passing away. That was, you know, and, he, and he made the promise afterwards to her parents because I, I couldn't save Peyton's life, but – we're going to save a bunch of other kids' lives with this foundation. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> I went down, and he put me in touch with, with Peyton's mom, and she was great. And I wrote what I thought was a really touching column, you know. So that was on a Sunday. It appeared in Sunday's paper. I came in Monday, and I was kind of feeling good about myself. You know how it is. You, you, know, you know what it's like, Rick, when you walk yeah, in. Yeah, you after, did something nice. You did, did something nice. You're waiting for the little swag. The way you used to sashay in the office, I could always tell you were happy about your column. <laughs> so I get in there, and my, I got like – I've checked – check my voicemail this is you know uh, I, I check my voicemail at work 
and I had like six messages or whatever. And the first one's from Dickie V. Hey, Tom, Dickie V. Hey, thanks so much for that column. It was really good. It's going to help. We're going to raise so much money this year, but I really appreciate you helping me out. Hey, just one thing. Um, that little girl's name, that you, her name's Peyton Wright. You called her Peyton Manning. Oh. <laughs> it's like, oh, my gosh. That's, that's the worst correction I've ever had in my life. Now, the thing was, I referred to her right in the rest of the paper, you uh, know, okay. like the rest of the story. But the, the first, first reference, mm-hmm. I said little seven-year-old Peyton Manning or something. And my thing was, and her name was P-A-Y-T-O-N, which I, I spelled that correctly. Well, that's good. And I never blame our desk, you know, the editor. So you actually, who, you actually misspelled Peyton Manning's name wrong as I, well. There you go, apparently. You're well, wrong both times. I'm, so I'm writing it, and I said, and I always blame, like, if, if you make a mistake, I always think it's our fault, you know. Of but course. we do have people reading it. And but I feel we, like saying, we, uh, there was nobody in our paper that looked at this and said, <laughs> hey. this little girl's name's Peyton Manning? <laughs> like, nobody, <laughs> that, like, it didn't hit anybody. Like, it's not like it, like it was her name was Johnson or, like, Peyton Manning. Like, <laughs> right, right. So, anyway, that's, uh, I told that story the other night, which... Uh, which got a good laugh, but um, but yeah, it was a great, it was a really fun night with Dick. Well, and then and then of course now um, you're Mr. Big Shot with these uh, with these interviews, and uh, so so then uh, the next evening will be it's Barack Obama. Is that am I right about that? <laughs> is that how he says his first name? Yeah, I think. <laughs> Barack. We're having uh, yeah, we're having. I think actually in November we're having this big bow tie ball thing with Katie Couric. Uh, wow. Is going to be there. She's going to be honored, and uh, a guy by the name of Norman Pearlstein, who's the executive editor of the Los Angeles Times, uh, and he's a, he's a real big shot in, in journalism. I th- he was, it used to be at the Wall Street Journal and, and a bunch of other places. But, um, <clears throat> but yeah, so that's coming up. I don't think I'm interviewing – they won't they won't let me – they won't let me anywhere near Katie Kirk. They'll, I'm sure. Well, they have, that's for another reason, the big Tom. Bo- they'll sure to have the big boss. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure to have the big bosses uh, interviewing her on stage. Yeah. No, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and that's what you get to do. When you're at the uh, Pointer Institute, no, it's and, been fun. Uh, I've I've had a chance to, like the last few weeks. I talked to Lester Holt. Um, yeah, you guys are tight. You got him on speed dial, I think. Yeah, talked to him a few times. Nor O'Donnell from CBS. So yeah, it's been. Look at you fun. dropping names all yeah, over the yeah. place. Hey, they pick a couple up on the way in, will you? <laughs> that, that used to be my shtick. I was the name dropper. Well, your I names used... are still more impressive. And you do imitations of all your names, which is. Which well, is I was good. thinking we should have a night with uh, Chris Berman. <laughs> He's back. Did you? Now, I know, you didn't work yes. Sunday because you were. Uh, the Bucks are off. But it's, but it's on a thing called ESPN Plus. And, yeah. and, my, and I, from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, that's not television. It's like something else, right? It's like, is yeah, it, I think. Yeah, is that internet? Like the internet? Is that the of, interweb yeah. or something? Streaming. It's a streaming yes, service. Yes, it's a streaming service. It costs like four ninety nine a month. So I get it on my phone or my computer, but not on, on my TV? Phone, anything that's. Uh, unless I have a smart hookup, TV. Yeah. If you have an Apple TV or a Roku or something like that, you can get it there. Yeah. I mean, if you have a, a smart Roku TV, means. you can get it on there. But it's uh, and and, and they're and they're really trying to pump like ESPN Plus. It's really interesting. They're trying to do some interesting things with it. They're they put a lot of they have a lot of UFC fights on there. Um, they do have like events. They'll put hockey games on. I think they have any an NHL contract. They have baseball on games on there. Baseball, yeah. So um, they're trying. I think Katie Nolan has a show on there. I mean, they're really trying to. They're trying to. They're. It's just another outlet where they're hopefully reaching what they hope to be a younger audience on there. But by the way, you saw when I got UFC. retweeted by Katie Nolan with my big gaffe, right? Yeah, and I didn't. That I actually thought it was a little bit. I thought it was. I have to admit, I thought it was kind of funny. Listen, and, I didn't. First of all, I didn't write. You know, the old. I didn't write the headlines. You know, 
I feel like Billy Joel sometimes. We didn't write the headlines, you know, but, but it's true. You got to tell you got to tell what the headline right. was. All right, the so the story I told so, the story I showed the story to everybody and as soon as they looked at it, even people didn't know. I showed it to my wife and she almost pissed herself. She was laughing so. <laughs> Well, the drop head was the thing. So what ha- ha- happened was I wrote this story about Bruce Arians back uh, for the football section, which, you know, made an obscene amount of money. And uh, the football section, I mean. Yeah. And so. Uh, and Bruce Arians. Yeah. And Bruce Arians. But, but it, was a, it, was a, it was a piece of, it was a biographical story. It was about his life. Okay. And, you know, there, there's, I mean, the man is 67 years old. There's a lot of highway there to cover, right? So, sure. um, but one of, the, one of the impressionable things was that, um, you know, when he was very young, and one of the reasons why he believes in second chances is that, um, you know, he, he got his uh, his current wife, who was his girlfriend at the time, pregnant when she was uh, like a junior in high school, um, and she lost the baby. They were going to get married like the weekend before, um, and uh, and so he's at this Catholic uh, uh, Catholic school, uh, and so that was that was kind of a scandalous thing in and of itself. And then after the last football game. A uh, bunch of seniors went out. They all, you know, 43 guys drank beer. He got caught, and, and they they expelled him, right? I mean, he had to go to the public high school this last year. And he had all these scholarships, and everybody dropped them except Virginia Tech because they basically lied about why he had to change high schools. And so – but he said, you know, his his dad, who worked at the Caterpillar uh, Company in, in uh, York, Pennsylvania, his mom worked for a York Peppermint Patty Company and all that, um, was disappointed. He says, I'll never forget the look in, you know – that that look on his face, like I spent the rest of my life, right, trying to make trying to get rid of that because to me I always it always cut through me, you know that he was always disappointed. And then when he finally won a Super Bowl when he was a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know he saw that change, and his dad died shortly thereafter. And then the other big influential person in his life was Bear Bryant, who whom he ended up coaching with and for, and was part of the staff Bear Bryant's last game. And Bear Bryant after they beat. Uh, Illinois in, in the Liberty Bowl in Memphis uh, died like a month later. Right. Um, was only 69. It seems like Bear Bryant was like 89. I know. He, died, he but... felt like he was 80 his whole life, yeah. Yeah. So um, so he told these stories about how these two men, you know, shaped his 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 future in his life and the influences they had. So the drop head was something like, Arians lived to please two men. Yeah, he's, he's lived his yeah he's, he lives his life to please two lives men. his life to please two men. <laughs> and of, first, of course, the, one of the first comments yeah, the comments were priceless. I hate to say it because you you what that was the drophead, and then you tweeted out basically just what the drop. I said, said they were his father and Bear Bryant yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, but it said Bruce Arians lives to please two men, and underneath it, like the first comment was at the same time. <laughs> the it's, comments were actually, pretty. but like Katie Nolan retweeted it. Retweeted uh, well, me. What, what was funny was you you like you you texted me and you were a little upset about it, and I was trying Slight, to down, I was trying to downplay it, and somebody had retweeted it, and and they you didn't like, realize though it was going to catch fire like this. No, I mean this you, was a California brush fire. This thing spread from <laughs> Sacramento to freaking. I mean, this, they were calling it. They were calling in helicopters to dump chemicals on this one, man. Well, they. What was funny was like you. You texted me, and as as your friend, my job is to talk you off the ledge. Like, oh, this isn't <laughs> yeah. a big deal. I said. I said. I said. I said. Look, I said this is. I said the guy. The, the, somebody retweeted. I go. They got four hundred Twitter followers. It's like <laughs> forget funny. about it. And about ten minutes, you later go. How many Twitter followers does she have? <laughs> and it was Katie. No, I go. 
this is and I said so I was trying to make you feel better. I get I go, this is Twitter, Rick. I go, it'll be over in five minutes. And you tweeted back again. It's over. already been five hours. <laughs> I think I think I was getting retweets five days later. Um, yeah, thank you, Katie Nolan, who I'd love to meet. She's a fine, uh, fine uh, performer herself, and uh, and apparently her her tweet was something to the extent of uh, describes my entire life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, how I go about living my entire life. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, well, that's you know. Twitter, thanks for not yeah. writing me up in the pointer <laughs> newsletter. That's. First time I appear in that, you're done. That's all no, I'm it, I, no, it'll be for something good, I assure you. I hope so. I hope so. All right, let's talk about uh, what are we talking about? Tim Tebow. Yeah, yeah. What's up with Tim Tebow? So Tim Tebow comes out, and very passionately, I might add. Look, I, I like – let me just say this up front. I like Tim Tebow yes, as too. a man. I'm a Tebow I, I'm, guy. I liked him I, as I a college quarterback. He's arguably one of the best college quarterbacks from an accomplishment standpoint ever. I would um, argue that I I make the argument he's the greatest college because remember this came up recently with the kid from Clemson and, right. and Urban Meyer called him the best co- best uh, college quarterback of all time. Mm-hmm. I think Tim Tebow is the greatest college quarterback I've ever seen. He's the greatest college football player I've ever seen. I really believe okay. That. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, two national champions. And, I, and I'm not a Gator, and I'm not like a Mister Gator. I'm not Mister Two Bits. You know, I'm not one of those you know Bull Gators. I'm I just I'm just an observer. I, I think he's the best college football player ever. So I mean he has he has a little a little gravity. To, I I mean some people are just just don't they're tired of him. They don't like him. Want him to go away. Right. I like I like what he represents. Some of the stuff he does, you know, uh, I've seen off camera. He's very genuine. Like all that stuff, you know, caring for kids, military, whatever. I mean he he gives his time and and does it does it with his heart. Not not and, not and for publicity. Like you said ninety percent of it is without cameras around, without anybody That's knowing right. about it. Yeah. And it's genuine and the people yeah. are, are moved by him. And so he's inspiring and very passionate, as we know, about everything, about playing and, and um you know anything he attempts. But um but he got on there he got on ESPN about a week or so ago and, and started talking about, you know, this notion of California of course passed the law that will enable uh presumably and I'm sure it's gonna end up in courts or whatever, but or or has in, in California at least um, athletes can uh, profit from their likeness and, and some of those things, and, and actually get paid uh, while going while going to college. Which you know we know there's strict rules in the NCAA about about what you can receive. You know you're not supposed to work. Like there's all kinds of rules. Um, and 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 we've talked about this on on our radio show, and and you know how I think there's there's just sort of this real hypocrisy. I think. Because it's not – it's professional athletics. It's just the only ones that aren't getting paid are the athletes. I right. mean, you know, and then a lot of people get upset about, well, what about the scholarship? And when I went to college, used to I be had my student stance. loans. And, used yeah. to be my stance. And there's some validity to that. I'm not – I, I don't I, discount that argument. Yeah. yeah, I don't discount that argument. I mean, I get it, you know. Um, someone has taken out student loans and, and had to work their way through school and got their degree. But you know what? Uh they weren't up at four o'clock in the morning lifting weights and running and going, you know, and, and spending all those hours on the road and having to make up, you know, homework and, and studying. I mean, there, there's a price to pay on either side. And, well, and, and, so, and I think you hit on the big number too, Rick. And those other people weren't making money for the university. That's the key. That's the key. There are billions, not millions. I made the mistake saying millions. There are billions of dollars coming into these universities. Now, not all of them, obviously. I mean, my Arkansas State Red Wolves just – you know, lost by seven touchdowns to Georgia, but they walked away with a seven-figure check to do right. it, right? So, um, you know, that's how they have to go about getting paid. But even then, there's enough money to pay Arkansas State a million dollars to come play you. 
on some given Saturday because of the revenues that are being produced by these big programs. So, you know, Tebow was very upset about the fact that he just believes that, that there needs to be a line of demarcation between the NFL, which is where players go to get paid if they're good enough, uh, and college football because people are passionate about their schools because they root for the school, not for the name on the back of the jersey necessarily, even though they're paying exorbitant prices in the school bookstore to wear. The t- and he even mentioned, he goes, look, my jersey was the biggest seller ever. Mm-hmm. you know, And he's right. I mean, Tim Tebow, under the current, you know, what California is proposing, would have been a multimillionaire before he ever, you know, made to, it to his junior year. Years ago, I played the, you know, the the EA video game with college That's football. Right. And hmm, isn't it weird? They didn't have names on their jerseys. Mm. But if you played Florida in that game, the quarterback wore number 15. It's just how weird. About that? It's just odd. how that happened. It really is. And so, um, I don't know. I You know, he got wrapped pretty hard. And then and then other people agree with him, obviously. So what did you make of, of just the whole sort of like – I mean, he's kind of a lightning rod name when it's out yeah. there and he takes a stance. But I don't know. I see both sides. I just think he's wrong. I, I, think, I think we're yeah, way I think past the time where we can sit here and honestly with a straight face say, this is amateur athletics. And, you know, if I see one more locker room that looks like first class on United Airlines, you know, with the beds and the – you know, I mean, it's just – it's yeah. it's it's incredible. If they got all this money for all these facilities and, and 25 different uniform combinations and helmets, you know, I mean, the NFL, I never understood this, too. In the NFL, the Bucks can't wear throwback uniforms because they have a rule that you have to have the same helmet all year long. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, too dramatic to go from what they wear currently to what their throwback helmet was. Somehow in college football, you can have 25. Yeah, right. The thing with here, here's the thing that that I think that Tim Tebow sort of missed out on is having passion for your school and love for your school and getting paid aren't aren't necessarily exclusive. exclusive you know, I, I mean, you mm-hmm. can do a little bit of there's a little bit of both. I mean, I think the other thing where Tebow sort of loses some credibility here is he was a guy that was not. I mean, I I don't look, I don't know exactly his upbringing, but I think he came from a, from a family that was doing okay financially. I think he, he was, was never doing- hungry on a Sunday. Tom, and I'll t- I've told you this story before. My, my meal plan ended at, at like lunchtime on Sunday. I went to church. I ate lunch. Yep. And I ate a lot of lunch because I, I knew I was going to be hungry again about 5 o'clock. But I didn't have money, literally didn't have money to go out and buy dinner or even a pizza on Sunday night. I remember being hungry. Well, I remember, and I remember State. people say like it's – like you're not a, you're not allowed to have a job. But even if you were allowed to have a job, like when were you supposed to do that job, Rick? Like you know, you with your schedule. Well, I did it. I was illegal, but I did it. Like yeah, it was hard. But sometimes in the fall when we weren't playing yet, um, Friday nights I covered high school football for twenty five dollars, yeah. and that that lasted me all week. But here's the thing: like even if you even if you were allowed during your college days to have a job, you don't you have time. Even, you didn't have twenty hours to spare no. in a week, and no. to do. All to go to practice and to and to study and to go to class and do everything he had to do. I again, I just think Tebow came off as looking. I don't know. I just thought he came off as looking like a like a privileged. Well, I hate. I'll even go one step. Further. He came off like a privileged white guy. Yeah. Well, what percentage are African American and what percentage are from low income families? Oh, uh, at the college college football level, college basketball it's level, huge, it's, right? Yeah, it's got to be huge, right? And yeah. again, I, the thing is. What's fair is fair. I don't care. I don't care if you can, maybe you do come from a really. Affl- oh, you should family. get yours if if you they're paying everybody. I yeah. asked Dick Vitale this the other night at the at the uh, at this event. I said, Dick, should players get paid? He goes, Look, he goes, I've made millions of dollars 
off of college basketball. Millions. Mm-hmm. He says, and I'm going to sit there and tell you that the kids who are actually doing all the work, going to all the practices. He goes, I show up at, you know, on, on a on a Saturday night. I get to the arena at five o'clock and I go home at eleven o'clock and I do that once a week. And I'm getting ready to pop the question. The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Paid millions of dollars, and these kids are, you know, busting their ass, you know, seven days a week and missing class and going on the road and doing all this work and giving us the highlights that we watch and watching these games and playing the, all these games, they get nothing. And besides like, again, an education's a big deal. Don't get me wrong, but it's not enough. There's not, there's not, and here's the thing, Rick, there's enough for the pie to go around. There's you, we could slice oh, the pie a little thinner and everybody is still going to make Dick, Dickie V's going to get his millions and the Mike Krzyzewski he's going to get his millions and the school can still, you know, put up, uh, have, have a nice weight room, you know, and all these things. Sure. So, yeah, I, I thought I thought Tebow came off looking, again, like rather privileged. And um, I think it's easy to have that moral stance when you're in his position, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. It was it was the optics weren't great. Uh, maybe the message wasn't that unusual because um, there is a lot of people that agree with him. But um, but yeah, I thought he. I, I think he, and here, I think. I think the most people agree with him are people who are very similar to him. That's that, right. You know, sure. That, uh, I mean, I, I know for the longest time I, I believed that, Rick. And then after talking to you and you were some, and what was great was Danny Cannell, who I've, I have had about enough of, but oh, yeah. hey, man, it's America. You want to put your opinion out there, even if it's stupid, go ahead. And most of what I think Danny, I think Danny Cannell's a pot banger, which means like sure. I'm just going to bang pots and pans together just to make noise so people pay attention. Notice to me. me, yeah. But he he went out there and he sort of he criticized the people who were criticizing Tebow, and he and he basically made it seem like yeah, well if you didn't if you weren't a college athlete you don't know what you're talking about, which you quickly jumped on and go well yeah, I answered in a back. very I nice way. Well, yeah, I when, I was, all, yeah. when I was on scholarship, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't and, eat. I mean, you know, don't don't tell me that 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 you know, I wasn't like him because there's a lot of us that were like him. So I, yeah, it uh, it was interesting. It was it was a you know kind of a reaction type. You know, Twitter is is sort of the best and worst of for that. But uh, here's but the other thing too with Tebow. Like, I, even when Tebow was in college, you knew Tebow was going to be okay the rest of his life. Like sure Tebow was did. gonna he was gonna make some pro money and he was gonna go into broadcasting. He was gonna you know. You run for president, for God's sakes, and win. Yeah. Nowadays. 98% of the country uh, who plays sports, they're not going to play in the NFL. No. They're not going to go play in the NBA. They're, you know, they're, they're not going to go yeah. into broadcasting. No. They're going to go become regular citizens like you and me. You know, yeah. so. Agreed. All right, let's talk a little sports here uh, before we get you out. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm sorry, the first place Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> at one and one. Look, it was a half yard either way, right? We fight for every inch, you know. Was the old, uh, <laughs> old uh, uh, any given Sunday, yeah. but uh, but you know what? I, I haven't seen the great offense yet, but I like what Todd Bowles has done pretty early on. Oh, it's oh, it's been certainly it's been impressive to me. And uh, I I now 
look, we can paint this any way you want because I texted you during that Thursday night game and I said, man, Cam Newton stinks. <laughs> he does. He's done. He's oh, by the like way, he does. He and now he's like, not playing. Right. He looks like he's 80 years old. He, tu- he, turned, he turned 80 years old overnight. <laughs> and he just looks like, the, like he can't play anymore. But here's the thing, Rick. That's so. So what? That's what happens in the NFL. That's like football, you, man. You play yeah. who you play, and you play him when you play him. And I know people are already lining up and looking at this, like, ah, oh, they're not. They're not. They're going to avoid Andrew Luck this year. They're going to avoid yeah. um, Drew Brees in the first game, most likely. They're going to. Mm-hmm. They're going to avoid maybe Cam Newton another time. And so, I mm-hmm. like. I go back and I look at that. You know, Miami Dolphins team that went undefeated. I. I don't know. I can't tell you a thing about their opponents that year. Right. I don't know which quarterbacks played. I don't know which ones didn't. Um. Listen, I got news for you. The New England Patriots are the greatest football team and the greatest coach and the greatest quarterback. I think that's that's almost – I can't even make an argument, although I try. Yeah. But but at the end of the day, they play in the AFC East. Yeah. But you okay, know what? Okay, have you checked out the Miami Dolphins of late? Yes. I know the Buffalo Bills like so Josh what? Allen. But here's what. But, so what? we got to put an but asterisk that's, next to their name? No one cares. <laughs> right. They make it to the Super Bowl and they win. Okay? So however they do it, scoreboard. Exactly. And, and look, we fall victim to – uh, what happened in the last game? Because after the yeah. first game, oh, we were like, yeah. oh, my gosh, the Bucs stink. They're never, right. you know, uh, Bruce Arians, quarterback whisper, needs a quarterback, be a quarterback <laughs> yeller. You know, That's Jameis, right. same old Jameis. Here we go again. And then after the second game, it's like, eh, hey, Jameis looks good. Yeah, way to go, mm-hmm. Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles. And it's it's a week-to-week league. You've told me yeah. that a million times. And, and it, we'll say that after Sunday's game, when they play – but you know what? After Sunday's game, I don't care if you're playing a rookie quarterback. I don't care if they're no. playing a New York Giants team that stinks. It's so what? You're at the end it's of the an week, NFL team, and and if you lose to Daniel Jones, then it'll be you know the tabloids will have a field day, and you'll just be the Washington Generals again. I mean, it it really doesn't matter. And in fact, Bruce Arians and Bulls have done well against rookie quarterbacks. You go before that though. I think I think rookie quarterbacks are like twelve and three that's against incredible. the Bucks. <laughs> that's you know, incredible. I mean, it's just, it's like. They can't beat anybody, but that's but what happens when you're a football team. These first two games, Rick, are, are maybe this is what we're going to get all year long. You know, like you're going to have games where it's like Jameis, yeah, Jameis is going to throw the ball three times to the other team. Yeah. And then you're going to have games where he doesn't throw the ball to the other team at all, and you give yourself a chance to win. But this defense, it's, uh, you know, even the San Francisco game, they gave up 31 points, but that wasn't, that wasn't 31. One touchdown in two weeks, up. man. Yeah. One offensive yeah. touchdown in two weeks. You can't do much better than that. So I, the defense is a little bit better. I, you know, obviously, everybody was concerned when JPP wasn't going to be there. Where's the pass rush going to come from? They found a little bit of a pass rush. Yeah. And uh, one guy. their defensive backs have played better than I thought they would play. Mm-hmm. So Vernon, Vernon Hargraves is off to a nice start. You know. So yep. um, yeah, I mean, well, I think I think they're going to be they're going to be two and one after this week. I think they find a way to beat the Giants. But you, I was reading your story the other day. It's like they got this big – or I think you guys had like a round table where you talked about yeah. you know, have you changed your prediction after two weeks. And uh, and I think you still have a, at eight and eight, right? Your, uh, That's what was my original. Yeah, I'm not going to yeah. move it. Not and, until and I see reason, them navigate this, you know. Well, yeah, this big road trip, uh, basically a you know, six-week road trip they got coming up. Yeah, um, or whatever it is, you know that's that's going to yeah, be seven weeks before they play again. I mean, you'll be after Sunday, Tom. I don't know what you do for Thanksgiving. You guys, you and Patty, go up to Pennsylvania. <laughs> well, you'll be pl- this will be the first year I can go away for Thanksgiving. You, there you go, and you'll be planning that trip or or what you're going to eat or whatever by the time they play here again. Think about that's that. Incredible. It'll be November tenth. You know, just a couple weeks away from uh, from Turkey Day. Getting Imagine the, getting that the, the light the day. lightning will be like oh, like a month in their season by then. Yeah, they'll have played like like twelve games or something like that by then. Yeah, 
Exactly. Well, that those guys. They, you know, if I have one more person say, and I almost feel sorry for him, but I don't want to. But it's like, yeah, the regular season, great. Yeah. So what? I know. Just I let them care. play the damn season, okay? Like enjoy hockey, folks. I mean, that's you know you can't you can't replay it again. <laughs> but that's what Every happened. That's that's how devastating that those <sighs> four game that four game loss was to Columbus. I, I mean, know, but I mean, just it, let them play the damn season. I mean, it's like we can't go back. You know what I mean? I know. I that's rather, what I'm saying. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna hang over there. How but it, it can't. But it will. But it is. <laughs> that's the <laughs> we thing. Can't. Like, we talked about this. Like, that I don't know how you get over it, and you don't get over it until you get back to to that point. And you again. don't get back if you're thinking about the last four games in Columbus. I mean, you you got to go out and win now just to get into the playoffs. Can you imagine? I, look, they should be able to do that no matter what because they have enough talent, right? Right. Right. But who knows what'll happen? Can you imagine? No, they they can win sixty two games. They can win sixty three this year. Sixty three. No one cares. No like, yeah, so what? Okay, who are you playing in the playoffs? See, that's wrong. That's <laughs> so wrong. I would have. What people need to recognize because I cover the team that never makes the playoffs in Tampa Bay, uh, and <laughs> what people need to realize is that I'm I'm of the of the belief. And Tony Dungy used to say this for years, and of course he got fired, right? But if he hadn't done this, then John Gruden doesn't win a Super Bowl. Tony Dungy's belief was you want to be that team that every year people say that team has a chance to win it all this year. We're picking them to win the division. We're picking them to win to win their conference. You know what? That's right where the Lightning are again. What yeah. does Las Vegas say? We think the Tampa Bay Lightning has the best chance of winning the Stanley Cup. You, If you're there enough, sooner or later, that door is going to get knocked down. Now, maybe it doesn't. Maybe you're the Buffalo Bills. Right. Um, but I would much rather be that team that – has a chance to go deep, and people think they should, than the one that no one's talking about, and you're just completely irrelevant every year after year after year after year. Right. The thing so that's, embrace the thing that's difficult, though, and what last year was really, you know, obviously you get knocked out in four games, you weren't even close. But the thing that, that you know, Ricky, you look at every, every team that wins a championship in every sport, and there, there are those moments where it could go one way or the other, you know, where you could have lost, and, you, yeah. and yet you still won. And – because, you, but if you give yourself enough deep runs, well, Lightning has had three deep runs here. They went to the Stanley Cup Finals. And they went to two Eastern Conference Finals. You know, so you you almost hate to think that. Well, maybe one of those they should have won it all. Maybe one of those series. True. Where, you know, you should have won the whole thing. And so, yeah. When you look back, you you start to worry like, what if that which was one it? was what it? If, what yeah. if though, you were supposed to win one of those three or two of those three? Yeah. And you didn't, and now that you know, do I think the window's closed on them? I don't. Um, but it's this window's now five. It's been five years. If you go back to that first year, they made the playoffs under Cooper, and they actually got swept in the first round by Montreal that year. I think it was 2015. But Ben Bishop was hurt. Then you went to the finals in 16. That's the thing. That 2016. That was four years ago now when they went to yeah. the finals. You know that's, that Bishop got hurt then though too. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, he did. He got hurt in the finals that year. And I was reading. Uh, I was reading a story the other day where uh, Stephen Stamkos. It's 12, year 12, 12, 12, 12. he's still not 30. How's that possible? I know. I know. How is but he 12, not 30? Like a man years. never ages. He's, I know he's 29. Clark yeah, 29 just had a baby. Yeah. yeah. But it's 12 years. That's a long time, man. Victor is a long coming time. Up on 10, I think it is, or 11. Wait a minute. Now that now you got me. Victor Headman, eleven years because we started our right. radio show. Right? He was a he was a Is that rookie. right, Steve? I think it's I think it's uh Can't Yeah, he's that. one year behind one year behind Stamp. One year behind Stamp. He started in 09. Is that true? Wow. And again, he's 28, you know, because okay. he came in the league at 
18. Yeah, you know, they so. were young. They were young. We were all young once. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the, win- the window might be closing, but uh, then again, you could look back and say, you know, it was like Chicago losing to Detroit, and then they won six championships. I mean, right. you know, you just you don't know the rest of the story. So I'm just like, hey, if you have a lightning, just, just enjoy the damn games. My, my kids love going to those games. Uh, it's nice to have a team that you think has a chance to win every time they go on the ice. Um, I mean, that's where you ultimately – like what? What are the obligations of a, of a team to its fans? Entertainment, like, do they good give product. You more good nights than bad. And Absolutely. I, and, and they 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 do now. The bad nights, unfortunately, last year were were incredibly bad. Yeah. But well, I got news for you too, because uh, I covered a team that won a Super Bowl finally, and you covered uh, obviously the Stanley Cup championship team. But with respect to the Bucks that year, uh, they weren't great. Okay, their defense was great. Their offense didn't do much till the playoffs. To be honest with you. I mean, they lost to Aaron Brooks, okay, in New Orleans late in the year. I mean, it was like they they had some games where they just didn't play very well. And yet, I still say, and I know John figured some things out with Philadelphia earlier in that season. They lost to the Eagles uh, during the regular season that year. But at the end of the day, the Giants <clears throat> were a great football team that year and lost a ridiculous game that they led in in San Francisco, which made the 49ers come here. Mm-hmm. And the 49ers with Jeff Garcia playing the same exact offense, you know, that Gruden had, sort of like this defense was made to play against those guys. If if the Giants win that game, Giants were a big, heavy, run-it-down-your-throat type team, you know, hard defense, yeah, yeah. like a tough team to play. You know, so you got the 49ers, and you had a bye week. Then you get the 49ers, and then after you beat Philly, which was not an easy thing to do, still the greatest victory they've ever had. Um, but the Oakland Raiders, really? I mean, the team that John had just coached, that knew, he knew intimately, you know, that, I mean, sometimes, one of my point is, sometimes the matchups have to be right. If well, they don't play Columbus at, last year, if yeah. they if Columbus, who was streaking and rebuilt and made a bunch of trades, and especially John Tortorella, if they don't play that, you know, if they play, I don't know, Boston, or they play Pittsburgh or something, you know, if, the, if you win a game, if you win a series, then it launches you. It's a different. We're talking about something different altogether. I remember being in in Minnesota uh, when I was working at the Star Tribune up there, and the Twins made the playoffs. I was covering the Wild, but the Twins made the playoffs, and we like the, the, our paper did like a huge, you know, special section for sure. playoffs. And the, like game one was in New York. They played the Yankees. They got the Yankees in the first round. They're like, huh? They could beat the Yankees. They match up well. Da da. And like they lost. The first game on Wednesday night, it lost like game one Wednesday night, and then they lost game two on Thursday. Like the playoffs were like 36 hours old, and they were down two games to nothing, and all of a sudden there was a Friday afternoon game. It felt like the playoffs just started, and you were in the fifth inning of game three, already lost the first two games, and you were down 6 nothing in game. And it's like – and that's the way what happened to Lightning. It's like that series was so fast. I don't even remember it. It felt like that series lasted like four hours. You know, just it seems like as soon as it started, it was like, wait a minute, they're down three zero. How do that? You know, that's, that's right. And right up until the last period, I thought they can still win this series. You know, but yeah. you're right. It's such it's about matchups and it's about. I think the year the Lightning won the cup, they played they played they played an eight seed and then they played a seven seed. I think in the next mm-hmm. round because there was a huge upset in the second round. And then they played a really good Philly team, but I think Calgary. Now Calgary was on a roll and they were really good and they they easily could have won that Stanley Cup, but yeah. I think they were a six seed. I want to. Say I, they were they were a lower seed, you know, and they mm-hmm. and they upset some people along the way. So look, it's it should be a fun year. They should be really good. I don't think they're going to win sixty two again, you know. And right. they, and well, they'll they probably just, make sure they don't win sixty two, like just out of principle. <laughs> well, you know, again, I'm not. Uh, 
I, I'm making, it's going to sound like I'm making excuses. I think, I think if they had won 58 last year yeah. instead of 62, it might have been better because I think that this whole that whole series, like, hey, you guys won 62 games. You're not going to lose in four, right? Like, as it yeah. was going on, like, I saw the number 62 in, like, 17 stories during that Stanley Cup final, you know? Yeah. And you can't tell me the players didn't weren't you know fully aware of that. You know they were. Oh, they were, and, and and yet I go. I was at game one, and I think I want to say they had like a four-one lead or a four-two well, lead. It was in three that nothing. Game. And three a, nothing. Okay. And then somebody hit a post. I think Kucherov or somebody or right. breakaway or something like that. And they take a four-nothing lead. They win that game. And that, and maybe that's a totally different. No doubt. But I mean, three-zero really? Like I I didn't see that coming. And no. that they let that team back in it, and then they they come back the next night and they give up two goals in like five seconds. Yeah. And they're down. And now you're like, oh, now we're in trouble. You know what I mean? Like if you're the Lightning, you're all of a sudden it's like, whoa, because 10 minutes ago you were going to walk out of there with a 1-0 lead. That's a, they and, were, it's like being caught in a riptide where you feel like, don't yeah. fight it. Just try to get your, you know, right. and they just they get out of here. And yeah, yeah, and they didn't, you know. And So it, it kind of, but, but you know, look, look, enjoy the hockey. Enjoy the hockey season, folks, because it's uh, it's a winning franchise. Speaking of winning franchises, the Tampa Bay Rays with this amazing game that they had on Wednesday night. They come back and they managed to uh, beat the L.A. Dodgers in, I think it was 10 innings. Austin Meadows, by the way, pick up your Pittsburgh Pirates are the worst team in baseball trading of Chris Archer for Austin Meadows, Tyler Glass now, and a guy who's supposed to be lights out in the minor leagues as a pitcher. Um, you know what's funny? When that trade was made, I still have a lot of buddies back in Pittsburgh, and they were excited because they thought, hey, the Pirates are finally doing something yeah. To to make a move. You know, they're getting a veteran yeah. pitcher, and I'm like, man, wait till you see this guy that you're getting. Because mm. get used to this line. And I like Chris Archer, nice, nice guy. But get used to this line, I told my buddies. Five and two-thirds, nine <laughs> hits, five <laughs> runs, four of them earned, eight strikeouts, three walks, 120 pitches. I go, that, that's him every guy, every game out. <laughs> and, and, and sure enough, like every time that happens, I'll have one of my buddies will send me a text with the line. And circle. Yeah. It's like, yep, you're right. Exactly it. I saw Chris Archer pitch the best game he's pitched all year. I happened to be there at Wrigley Field. He threw like a one hitter for like six and a, six and a third, but he gave up a home run to tie it. Yeah. <laughs> so and that's, and that's, got his, no that's his career in a nutshell where, you, yeah, where he really has is. these performances where you look at it and say, this guy's amazing. And he has the yeah. best stuff on the staff and all, you know. And as a number three, back when he was here, and and they had yeah. you know David Price and and uh, you know Matt Garza and people like that, like he was, that James was great. Shields, yeah, yeah. But now, but now he's your when he's your ace. But yeah, Austin Meadows, Rick. This whole thing has been, um, with the with the way he is he has played, like like he you know he did exactly what major league kids are supposed to do he came up tore it mm -hmm. up and then he went into a huge slump yeah, and it's you you've heard all like oh the league's adjusted to you now you got to adjust back to the league well he has and mm -hmm. he's single-handedly it feels like him and to tommy fam tommy to fam is still my favorite brace player because of his his death stare you know the man of a thousand right. stairs gets five hits the other night five and didn't get picked really. off on any of them which is which great. is amazing <laughs> worst base runner and it's the worst base running team in baseball i mean they it it's keystone scops things it's like literally where they just keep running through stop signs they had four they got four what was it there was a game last week where they had they lost four, four guys. guys on the bases four including including the track star that they hired to be a base runner you that's know? right inning in a third like yeah. gone down the drain <laughs> gone <laughs> on the bases just run right out of the inning um but they've won 90 games again back-to-back -back 90 win seasons and here's the thing they got nine games left 
Tom, they could win 97 and not make the playoffs. They could win would, 96 and not make the playoffs. I can't. I wonder if there's ever been a team that has won over two seasons, won, a, won 185. Let's say, let's say they only win five, five more. And yeah, win, 180 Has there, has there ever been a team that it's won 185 games over two seasons and Back not made the playoffs in either of those seasons? Ridiculous. There may have happened, but I don't know. I got another stat for you. So the Rays have had 90 wins in seven of the last 12 seasons. Three other teams have really? done that. Really? Seven out of 12? Yep. Yankees, Red Sox, and Dodgers in the race. In that, it, three other teams have done it in that span. Yeah. And, and, yeah. That, and look at their payrolls compared to the race. Exactly. It's this nothing is... less than a remarkable. It's just, it is. It's remarkable. And with their, the, the lack of starting pitching, I mean, Charlie Morton and, no, and just a band of other guys. Um, I, I'm impressed with the organization. They're going to be, Montreal's getting a good baseball team. <laughs> Oh, that's happening. Um, I believe that's happening, by the way. You do? Yeah, you think that's really going to happen? Yep. How are they going to build? So where are they playing here? They, no one cares? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I Maybe think, they just play in Montreal. I think uh, – I I, I, Look, you, I, I, you know, I've, I've thought more about it. It's a really it's a really smart idea, I think, if you can pull it off. Because uh, the big thing that's going to work is you're going to get – you're going to get three television contracts out of this. Three, if you think about it. You're going to get a, a Tampa Bay contract. Because we'll get those games all year long. You know, we oh, sure. we'll get them out of Montreal, Montreal yeah. And then you'll get the Montreal English uh, contract right and the Montreal Canadian. French contract. Like, you're going to get three TV. You're How the hell? Get... What do you call these guys, though? I mean, seriously, I know that's the, that's way down the road, and who cares? But, I mean, whose team do they belong to? They really – I mean, they're like the international – I mean, they're not the Tampa Bay Rays. They're not the Montreal Rays. I mean, what the hell are they going to be? I, the Snowbirds. I don't know. I think it would yeah. be – you know, it's exactly. going to be – I don't, it's it's definitely thinking outside the box, which is what this franchise does. So let me ask you this, Rick. We talk about successful. I, I'm going to say something, and people aren't going to like it. I think no matter what happens now, unless they were to lose like eight of their last nine, they have nine left, right? Nine, if they yeah, lose yeah. eight of their last nine and miss the playoffs by like a game, then it would be disappointing. But I think no matter what happens, I think you 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 consider this a really successful season. I think it's been a really good year. A fun year. I've enjoyed watching these guys. Um, I would feel no different about them if they if they if they miss the playoffs than if they make the playoffs. Or you know, what's even like more depressing is if they were to win and go to Oakland and like get beat like eleven to two, like in a. Yeah, I got news game. for you, and I'm I'm just gonna put this out here. Don't let them get into the regular the regular postseason. Don't let them win the play in game against Oakland or Cle or so whoever they play. Don't let these guys. You think the Yankees want to see these guys? I what if Tyler Glass now, who's now throwing 100 miles an hour, okay, and what if they push him up to four or five innings? And Blake Snell had a hell of an outing in his first outing back the other day in L.A. I know it was just two innings. What if, what if you go out there and you've got Morton for one game, you've got a combination of Glass now, Snell, and whatever for the second? I mean, I, I'm just saying, like, don't, don't think that anybody really wants to play them because – they find ways to win. I don't look. I look at this lineup and I go, really, Travis Darno? Like you're still getting big hits. Yeah. Um, but they do. And Tommy Pham and Austin Meadows, your big players, are playing big. Kevin Kermar's hurt. Everything's right with the Rays right now. No, it is. And I, I, I would if I'm the Rays, I don't. I, I probably don't want any piece of Houston right now. No. You know, I don't. Best team in them. baseball. Yeah. Houston's that, best team in baseball. I the wild card wanna... winner would play Houston right now. Houston's got yeah, a two right game lead. Over, they got a two game lead over the Yankees virtually because they have oh, a tiebreaker. Oh, then you're in trouble. Which, I, let me withdraw is... everything I just said because they have no, <laughs> no chance. No, but you're right, Houston. Rick. You're right. Like, look, here's the thing. 
the shorter the that first round, if you're going to play Houston, I get it. You're going to have to face Granky and Lander and yeah. Garrett Cole. But here's the thing: the shorter the series, the, the better more, chance you have. Better chance the underdog has, right? Agree. You, Agree. Clear, you only have to win three games. You don't have to win four. That's um, right. So I, I would, but I'd rather not play Houston. I'd rather play the Yankees if I'm the Rays. But yeah, I would. But too. you're right. Like, look, man, you go out there. Like I said, you go out there, you win the first. You just win game one, and all of a sudden, yeah. now you have to. Now you have to do. The other team has to beat you three out of four. That's hard yeah. for. It's hard to beat any team three out of four. And I'll be honest. I I've always said this. I'd rather start a playoff on the road. That's just me. I think there's. I think there's more pressure, more expectations if your playoff games at home. You know, and that was the case too in hockey. I always thought. Yeah, know? and what happens is like yeah, you go on there, you relax, you and you win a game, and all of a sudden now it feels like home ice becomes a bigger deal. Deeper into the series, you know. Now, yeah. now we your game three. When when Columbus came down here and won the first two games here, Oof. you know, and then like I've seen a lot of teams lose the first two games on the road, and then you know, and then sure, come home sure. and and even it back up. But you lose a game at one game at home in the first two, you lost some ice. Yeah, you get tight. Yeah. You get oh no, here we go. Um, so, but I think this has been a this has been a fun season no matter what. And unfortunately, I think when the season's over, I think people their phone's going to start ringing again. I think people are going to start calling for Eric Neander and, and Hein Bloom and Kevin Cash eventually. Who knows? Um, it's uh, These guys, ha- I, they do things that just amaze people around baseball. And it's it's we should really be uh, thankful that we, we have this team. Well, I think they're going to avoid the problem of maybe having a home playoff game and and not knowing whether they could get I mean twenty thousand in there, let alone take the tarps off, because that would be interesting to see what kind of a what kind of a crowd they'd get on a Wednesday night. But it has been a great season. Tom Jones, what's coming up on uh, Pointer? We can get your newsletter on Pointer dot org, right? Yeah, Pointer dot org. Go to Pointer dot org. You can uh, there's a place to sign up for it. And you can get it in your inbox every morning, like the Bluto said, Animals don't cost nothing. So. Um, and you can enjoy it. It's uh, been writing a lot about the New York Times lately. Uh, been critical of them. They they screwed up a story. Uh, Boy, I thought I didn't really did. Well. Yeah. yeah, the other day. And I'm a big fan of the New York Times. I really am. I think it's a tremendous newspaper. But, um, but anyway, yeah. So we'll see what's. Uh, I'm not sure what's happening today yet. I'll go in. Uh, I'll go in the office and and start. Answer all your uh, phone messages from Lester Hoyt. Hoyt. Uh, <laughs> can you say his name? See, I'm verklempt. <laughs> Lester Holt and uh, and and Tom Jones will be interviewing Barack Obama <laughs> on December twelfth. No, I don't know if that's. I'm trying to. I'm like, like who? Like, I'm trying to think who would be my like for the longest time. I think I could get Sarah Sanders. I I, I think that's somebody I'd like to talk to these days. I, I, she, I well, you're the only reporter now. that would like to talk to Sarah Sanders. Apparently, they don't have. They didn't have any press conferences at the end of that. No. That whole thing. She but, would be interesting, and she's running for Congress, I believe. Governor. She wants to run for governor. Governor. I governor. Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which your dad was a governor of Arkansas. But she's. Will you I, do any political stuff? Like, will you do any candidates uh, in the political season? I mean, we're there now, but I'm just uh, curious if Pointer will have any. Unless, kind of they, a unless they were to talk about the media, I, that's something like yeah. if I'm just talking, like, I wouldn't just talk to Elizabeth Warren about, you know, healthcare mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, but I would, uh, yeah, if, you know, the, the, I would talk to him about the media. I would like to go to the conventions next year just for the media aspect of it, you know? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, well, check it awesome. out. Pointer, pointer. dot org. Yeah. All right, Tommy, this was fun. Let's do it again. Thanks All a right. lot, buddy. Thanks, brother. All right, busy weekend in sports here, of course, in Tampa Bay and around the nation. Big schedule of college football games. I'm looking forward to the Wisconsin Michigan game. Steve and I will uh, will wager on that somehow down the road. Uh, the Red Sox and the Rays begin a series uh, this weekend for four games at the Trop. 
The Lightning are home against Nashville, then go on the road against Nashville on Saturday. And remember, the Bucks hosting the New York Giants and Daniel Jones at 4.05 on Sunday at Raymond James Stadium. And it's also Rondé Barber going into the Bucks ring of honor. So we hope you enjoyed the podcast. We're here every Monday through Friday. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.